Um, we have been learning everything from the perspective of the Rishalmi for a while. Mm-hmm. Right? We learned that, that Rav says, mm-hmm. Rav says that, you, that the worker can back out. And, there was in, the, and in the Rishalmi, there was a machlokas between Rav and Rav Yochanan as to why a worker can back out. Rav said it was because of the Pasuki Libin Yisrael Avadim, which he said in the Yushalmi said meant that Jews can't buy each other. And Rav Yochanan said it's because we actually, right, and we, we learned that, the way we learned that was Rav says that the whole goal of that law is to make sure that employees don't turn into slaves because specific performance would make them slaves. Rav Yochanan said employees are slaves. We just have to, right, we just learned, we just learned that they have the same protections as slaves. Okay, so we mentioned that we had seen in um, we had seen in the discussion about how you handle the pay of workers when they back out. We had seen a machlokus between the um, Rabbanan and Rabbi Dosa in a um, in, in a brisa in our in our parak, and we had noticed that Arya Feder particularly kept pointing out that there was a um, an apparent conflation in the Gemara between the claim that workers can back out and the claim that when workers back out, they get, they have all the economic advantages of the deal. Uh, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do that. Pardon? But that machloka in the machloka Rabbi Nana Rabbi Dosa is that they don't miss, is whether they do or don't. Is whether they do or don't. And the Gemara said that Rav, that Rav should paskin like the Rabbanon against Rabbi Dosa that they get the economic right there, right. That we had a, a kasha. How could Rav how could Rav say halachic Rabbi Dosa when Rav's right who says that the workers get the short end of the stick right. when Rav says a polyocha lachzorbo, which seems that we're just on your point area. Uh, hey, that. <laughs> Implies that there's an understanding that that both you know, both sides that you know that they have to go one the other. Yes. Okay. okay so, but I I deliberately so, and that that's not unfair, right? That the right we're learning this we're learning the the um, the sixth parak, which is where uh, which is where the, the Rav's relationship to Rabban and Rabbi Dosa appear, and we did the Yerushalmi based on that. But I was holding back a sugya in the Bavli, which talks about Rav on its own, and now I want to go to do that sugya in the Bavli. Uh, I should say that the, the kernel of this whole shir was my reading of this sugi we're going to read today, and one of the fun of this year, and it opened up more in Israel, was realizing how shallow my reading. Even though I thought I had a great shot in this sugi, actually I was very, very shallow, uh, and I'm only starting to understand this sugi for real now in light of what we've done, and then trying to develop it in Israel, seeing what the weaknesses were. So I'm going to try tonight to do it in an unbiased fashion, as opposed to presenting the reading I like, and then we'll see if the if the reading I like uh, uh, reemerges and hold and holds up. Um, based, based now, now say you're doing it in a biased fashion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, what is it? I had to face, you're the only live audience I've faced in a long time. And so it was really interesting, you know, give, facing like, large live, audi- live young audiences again mm-hmm. and trying try, try to think about pedagogy differently and what sort of things one can do and what sort of things one can't do. So one of the, this, this shir I set up in Israel, by the end it was set up as, here are some things I'm going to say that will look ridiculous to you. And, but at the end of the year, hopefully, they'll, hopefully you'll, you'll think they make sense. And that works for some groups, not for others. Some groups, the groups that start attacking at the beginning, it was really troublesome to them. Like, you know, the notion that you that you know you can't ask the questions yet because I haven't even offered the evidence yet was you know it was really interesting to learn that. Okay, so let's read this sugya. It's one of my favorite sugya. I, I am absolutely clear that I have a very I have a reading that I'm very fond of, which really was the core of what I wanted why I wanted to do this this parak this year, but also that I've realized. Um, that the reading I offer is not as obvious or compelling as I thought. And let's, so let's do this again in unbiased fashion, okay? And so we'll do it first. I'm just gonna read it to you and, um, and I just want you to explain to me how you understand the connection between one step and the other. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we're gonna read Rashi. 
and see how Rashi understands the connection in one step and the other. And, um, and then, if we have time, we'll read Tosfot and see how Tosfot understands the connection. Uh, right? And I'm, I, I'll, you know, again, I'll surface my biases. I like Tosfot. Um, and there's also a thing in the Shri Mekubetzet that will look like it raises our hopes gloriously. Like it looks like he reads it exactly the way I want to. Um, and then he, re- then, he, then he says, yeah, that's the Hafmin and the Maskana as we reject that completely. So that will be very sad. Uh, we probably won't get back to that today. And then hopefully next week we will put, we'll put it all back together again. Everything will be great. Uh, okay, and then we'll get into Halaf and see whether that okay. held up or not. Okay, so here's the sugya. You don't have a set of glasses, do you? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're... Um, <laughs> next time. Okay, now I, I should say, like this sugya appears in the context. Almost every personality in the sugya is cited says says the exact opposite somewhere else in Shas, and so there's a lot there's lots of work trying to get their positions here to reconcile their positions elsewhere. We're going to ignore all that today. Right, we're going to be narrow. Rav Rav Nachman Rav Chisid Amri Tarvayu Hamagbiya Mitzia Lechaviro Lo Kana Chaviro. Okay, so so I'm walking down the street. I see a, a gold watch. I think to myself, I have a friend who would right who would really love a gold watch. Uh, right, the, gold, the gold watch has no distinguishing characteristics, right? It's, 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 a, it's a lost object. I'm allowed to keep it. Leave aside the issues whether gold watches could ever be that, um, right? Because maybe they're all distinguishable, but if you ever see a gold watch with my initials in the back, please, please return it to me. <laughs> um, the, uh, it, was, it was ripped off my hand in, uh, in, um, in uh, somewhere near Harvard Square many, many years ago. Uh, I, don't, I tend not to like expensive things like that because it was a present from Deborah, and, and I felt very bad about it. Um, but, um, yeah, so if I pick it up and my intention is not to acquire it for myself, but to acquire it for my friend, and my friend has not previously stated to me, Rabbi Clapper, I would like you to pick up any, any lost, any lost objects you find, especially gold watches, please pick them up for me. So I'm not in any way a, uh, an appointed agent of my friend for the purpose of picking up lost objects. Mm-hmm. Okay. I appoint myself an agent, right? Which usually a process we call Zachin. Uh, which is constructive agency, right? I, I construct myself as my friend's agent, even though they never appointed me. So that does not work according to Rav Nachman Rav Chista, as quoted here, with regard to lost objects. Okay, I cannot, I cannot pick up a lost object on behalf of a third party. I can pick it up for myself, but I can't pick it up for a third party. When you say pick it up, you mean pick it up and acquire it. Own it. Right, pick it up with intention to own it. You could buy something for somebody else. You can buy something for somebody else, that is correct. And they are kona it when you buy it, when you buy it and pick it up. So ordinarily, right, ordinarily I can, ordinarily, if it's not lost objects, ordinarily I can acquire things, uh, I can do things as a constructive agent for a third party that is to their absolute benefit. Right, anytime that the, right, that the other, the other person will gain by my acting as their agent, right, so the generic rule is I can appoint myself their agent. So why would this be different? So why would this be different? Exactly. That's the next line of the Gemara. Right? The Gemara says, "My Tama, right? Why should this be so?" So the answer is that it's have a it's have a tofes levalchov b'makom shechav la'acherim. So it draws an analogy to a case which, for the purposes of our sugya, we have to assume that case is settled law. Uh, it may not be, but for our purposes, we have to assume it's settled law. So the case is as follows: You have uh, you have a person who is deeply in debt, and their assets do not cover their debts. So now right, they're, they're essentially in bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. 
Right? The bankruptcy as a category of protection doesn't exist in, 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 in rabbinic halacha, in rabbinic although something like it may have been constructed since, but they're essentially in bankruptcy. Um, now, there isn't a... Um, let's assume that there isn't a binding hierarchy of creditors. Right? You have, right, in in, in halacha in American law, also you're going to have hierarchies of creditors who gets to see who gets to seize what, and you can support many, many lawyers for many, many years about the, about the hierarchy. Um, but let's suppose that, that for our purposes, there is no binding hierarchy. So it's whoever gets the assets, whichever creditor gets the assets, wins. I know that my, I know that I have a friend who is a creditor of so-and-so, and they're too far away right, to seize the assets. So I'm going to go on their behalf and seize assets from, right, from the bankrupt's house for my, friend, right, for, for my friend the creditor. So that does not work if by, by my seizing the assets, I am damaging the interests of the other creditors, at least according to this sugya. Okay? And, right, and so, the, right, so the Gemara says that acquiring a lost object on behalf of a third party is the equivalent of, require, of acquiring assets um, fr from, a bank, from a bankrupt because it, right, which doesn't work because in that situation the other creditor's interests are damaged. So what's the analogy? Who loses? Right. Oh, so what's the analogy? All the other possible um, walkers by, passers by. All the other possible. Or is it the actual owner of the object who lost it? Well, the actual owner of the object is gone, right? So if you if you can acquire a lost object, the actual owner is is let's assume that's it's. It's okay. right. That's it, a reasonable interpretation. Let's assume okay, for so now. The actual right. owner is not parallel to other creditors. Yeah, the actual owner is that owner is no different than anybody else. If he picked it up now or she picked it up, it would it would be finding a lost object, not reclaiming their own property. Okay. Uh, right. So what Marty suggests is it seems like the only that, that there's an opportunity cost. And so when I pick up a lost object for somebody, I am depri I, right, I am depriving everyone else of the opportunity to acquire it for themselves. Yeah, the case doesn't seem quite as parallel because in the case of the lost object, the person who picks it up actually has as much right as anybody else to pick it up and inquire for themselves, whereas in the case of the, um, the bankruptcy, right, he is not himself one right. of the Excellent. Excellent, right? So Rabbi Tom makes that argument, I believe. Rabbi Tom says that this, that, that this halacha can't be true because um, if I could acquire it for myself, why can't I acquire it for somebody else? Right? We're just made, putting, putting up pointless formalities because I could acquire it for myself right. and then give it to the other person, right? So what's the point mm -hmm. of making a law that I can't do it? But we're not going to work through it at a time right now. We're going to assume that Salaka is correct, but that's absolutely right. So, so okay, but the analogy admittedly seems weak for all the reasons that we're, that we're, uh, that we're citing. Right? It's not a real loss in the same way. Right, your situation is not is not the same, right? So all sorts of ways in which we could reject the analogy. Well, there's so in both cases there's a set of people who perhaps have can be said to have equal rights to the object. In the bankruptcy case, there's a set of creditors. Mm -hmm. I guess it hasn't. I forget your exact phrasing, but there there is not. A, you know, court hasn't said you come first, you come right. second. So so. There's no priority list. There's no priority list. You assume for the second the moment that everyone's equal. Right. With the lost object, it's also true, and the population of people who could who could own the object is simply everybody. Um, but there's this weird situation about if it is everyone, why am I the shaliyah for one particular person? 
Okay, right. So, they, so, right, so we have a surface analogy. We have challenge analogy. Uh -huh. And then in order to make, even if we allow the, if we take the analogy, right, the, the analogy as given, we still have to ask the question, why shouldn't it work, right? Why is it, that, right, if constructive agency is a thing, let it be a thing, right? Let it, let it follow the rules of agency, right? Why should the rules of constructive agency be more constricted than the rules of ordinary agency? So we have to put another assumption that for a reason not stated in the sugya, constructive agency is not is limited not only to cases where it's to the absolute benefit of the party for whom you were acting as agent, but it also can't damage anyone else's interests. Which is not obvious, right? You could say, right, I, right, I like I like you, I don't like him, so I'm going to make myself your agent and not his agent. What's the big deal? You could appoint me and then I could act for you, right? But constructive agency is somehow limited in ways that um, that actual agency is not. That's right? weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's maybe similar analogy to, you know, from the standpoint of the constructive agent, so-and-so's blood is not redder than the other. Okay, right, we can put a moral principle into it. You shouldn't do that for yourself. Right, it might be nice. We can say constructive agency is weird anyway, so we don't, right, so we try to apply it as narrowly as possible. Because, right, on what basis can you turn yourself into somebody else? So, is, is the passage saying that it's worse me to send Marty to pick up the watch than for me to pick it up myself? No, you can send Marty, because then Marty is your actual agent. But Marty can't make himself your agent if you didn't send him for this purpose. Well, I right? can't. I just, just, it doesn't work if... Right. Gonna, right. It, doesn't, it doesn't work if he does, right? Despite Mar Marty's you know, generous impulses towards you. Uh -huh. right? But we don't like Marty having generous... Well, we don't let it work when Marty has generous impulses towards you if that, if that simultaneously reflects ungenerous impulses towards everyone else. You, it, it is not, the object is it picked up. Let's say, let, let's suppose, right? You right, you walk over, you pick up the gold object, and you say, "I do this on behalf of uh, Arya Fader." The object is still but lost. Arya didn't send you to do that. That's right. So the object is still a lost object, and Marty can walk over and say, "No, I pick it up for my, I pick it out of your head for myself," and it's Marty's. Okay. So no. it's still have together. There's no, you haven't. I haven't even acquired it for myself. That's right. By acquiring it. On behalf of That's correct, because you can't you can't acquire objects unintentionally, and the intention you had didn't work, so the object is still ownerless. Because mm -hmm. you could think that maybe I I would have some guardianship over. Guardianship, yeah, I guess you could. I don't think you do. Um, I don't think you do. I think that it just remains an ownerless object because it's a a failed attempt at Kenyon. Well, I think what he's what he's saying is almost implicitly he's. He's actualizing what Ravana Tom was saying, right? In other words, it's like, uh, implicitly he's kind of he's picking it up, he's kind of acquiring it right. with the intention of then transferring yeah. it to. Right. So, you, so you could make you could make the argument that what you really mean is, but then it would work. So I think I think we just say that it just doesn't work, and this is one of those cases, which will mean you know where, where if you enjoy halacha having this fun thing called Kenyan, uh, right, which you know, which has like you know which is a legal reality that uh, like I don't know like I think right. Various really say that sort of hovers over objects, then pounces on them when you do it right, so they can change status. So here, there is no Kenyan, so the object remains uh, remains ownerless. Okay, um, none of this has anything to do with employment law, right? Right, none of this has anything to do with employment law at all. Okay, but now the Gemara, right, Rava turns to Rav Nachman and asks the following, right, and he, he cites a text and he says this text disproves. Your statement that one who picks up a lost object on behalf of a third party doesn't acquire it. 
Okay, here's the text. The text says, Mesiat Poel Le An employee, and we're gonna treat Poel here as meaning the worker paid for time. All right, let's let's take that as a given now. You could try to argue it later. Let's assume now that Poel here means the worker paid for time. Mesiat Poel An hourly worker who finds things, the the findings belong to the worker. But now we create no kimpt on that. The claim that the worker gets to keep his uh, his or her own findings only applies when the employer said, "Ho with me today or weed with me today." But if the employer said to the employee, "Do generic work with me today," then his lost objects belong to the employer. Okay, so you take that text and tell me what's the, how does this text disprove Rav Nachman and Rav Chista's statement that, it, that, um, that, it, that if you attempt to pick up a lost object for a third party, you will fail? Well, saying that the worker, the worker can, if a worker picks up an, a, a, a lost object, right, then at least in the situation they said it applies, he actually is acquiring it for the Balabai. Okay, so we have to say, yeah, all right, what do you want to add? It doesn't, it, I mean, it doesn't seem like a good proof because the distinction that they're making is that when the Balabai says to the worker, do work for me today, that that is effectively making him a Shalia for all Everything okay, good. Today. So you have the weakness, so let's try and set up the analogy, and we'll, and we'll set up the weakness, and we'll try and see what we can do with it, right? The analogy, on the, if we were just, like, you know, very broadly say, okay, in order to disprove this claim, we have to find a case where you pick up an object for a third party without being a specifically appointed an agent. So the only case we have that in the Breita is where, um, right, the Breita says that if you are, if you are hired to do generic work by the hour for somebody else, during that time, if you pick up lost objects that belong to the person, even though that person never explicitly said, I make you my agent for the purposes of acquiring lost objects. Right? So that's, that's the surface analogy, to which Ari immediately says, but it's only a surface analogy, because employment sounds something like agency. And if the employment is generic, so then whatever I do should be included in it. Um, right, unless, right, so we have to find, say, no, it's generic employment, but maybe it's only generic employment that is specifically assigned. But in the absence of assignment, so, right, so what I'm doing, right, if I, if I, if I, if, right, right, the guy said, do work with me today, right, and I show up and he says, okay, the work I want you to do today is hoeing. Okay, so then I find a shiny lost object while I'm hoeing. He didn't make me my agent for lost object. It's true, he hired me by the day. But he didn't make me his agent for his agent per se. So that's where that's the that's the, the, the space we're living in here, right? It's not. It's obvious that an employee is not a, a is not an unrelated third party, in the way that the two cases of the Gemara are. But it's not obvious that an employee is an agent, even if they have a I would call a personal services contract, because there's never been, they haven't been specifically assigned to do this task. It's not clear that halakha has a condition of, um, you know, of uh, power of attorney, where I would just say to you, whatever you do, you do as my agent. Why, why does a specific task assignment 
affect an unrelated event of finding a lost object? Yeah, that's a great question. I want to hold that question. That's absolutely the right question. All right, now I'm trying to I'm trying to make it look as good as possible for now with the weakness that I already noted. And what I'm saying, right? So what I'm doing is I say I think there are we have two extreme categories. We have the appointed agents, and we have the the unrelated self appointed. We have the we have the, the holy we have the holy appointed agent, and we have the holy self appointed agent. And here we have the in between category of somebody who has a clear relationship to the other party. But that's not clear why that relationship extends to being an agent for picking up lost objects. Right? That's uh, that's right. So we're in the middle, and we don't right. And the Gemara, the Gemara's Havamina is that yes. Say again. Is there a word game here? So when you say the self-appointed agent, that's the our our friend from the first example. Who yes. Says I'm picking I'm picking this up. Right. You know, for for, for Robert Chester. Um, but uh, but. The, that, I- that agency is specific to the found object. I know I'm coming back to what I said again, yeah. which is different from the agency in employment. So yes, so that's right. The parallel, is, I'm, I'm, right, the parallel, the parallel, the parallel is, is unfair. We might say the parallel, you know, the parallel is superficially appealing, but but collapses on analysis. Well, even beyond that, I mean, yeah. the the in the case of the uh, employee, even if he's you know if it's a generic day contract or whatever works. When he picks up the object, I mean, it's the Stom case here, he picks up the object, he doesn't even have intent to acquire it for the... Or, uh, may, or it's not clear whether he has intent uh-huh. to pick it up for the volume. Interesting. He doesn't know the halakha, and he, he might think that he's picking it up for himself. So that's also really like interesting. Saying, no, no, you can't pick it up for yourself. Right, so that's really interesting. Right? Why, why, why shouldn't it depend on his intent to some extent? We don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? We could, you know, we could say extreme case, right? If I hire you for the day, and you present right, you pre- you present a ring to a woman. Does that mean that I'm married? Because <laughs> right, I'm your, right, I'm your agent for all purposes, right? I'm your agent for all purposes, right? Is that that probably is not true, Can right? Say, <laughs> well, you you can you can marry people through agency. If I appoint you, right? If I if I appoint you my agent right. to marry a woman, then you can, right? So if this works as well as appointment. So if, if we go back to the um, analogy to evidence, right? Right. So. If he's, if if you want to say that he's actually an evidentiary, right? An evidentiary presumably wouldn't have the agency to say, no, I'm doing this for myself, not for my master. Yeah. So if we were to say that, uh, right, that an hourly worker is a slave, then maybe it would work. Maybe the analogy would work well. Um, but then it would no, but it would collapse the analogy, well, right? right. Yeah, a collapsing analogy because he's a slave, right? So then, of course, he's in, right. Of course, everything he does is for the employer, and that would that, that would resolve the, that that would end the disproof. The question assumes, right? The question assumes that an employee is not a slave, and therefore, an employee, right, an employee is like a third party. So the fact that an employee acquires lost objects proves that a third party can acquire lost objects. And a reasonable response would be, no, an employee is a slave. And that would be a reasonable response, right? So. And so employees can do everything that slaves can do. And then we have to ask, okay, we have to figure out whether slaves can be agents or not. But assuming slaves can be agents, that would, uh, that would, that would work. Okay, all right, so that's right. So we're, 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 str- we're struggling in this middle territory because it, it's, it's it's right, it, do- it doesn't seem like an employee is wholly unrelated, and yet Rova seems to believe that an employee is wholly unrelated, otherwise he couldn't ask this question. Which the answer, so Amar Le, he gives an answer which is, right, but Shani Poel, right? So Rav Nachman says to him, and you know, I think that there's sort of a sense of, of almost 
perhaps incomprehension. Like, what kind of question were you asking? Workers are different, obviously. Why? Benny gets a line. He says, Diado kiyad balabayatu. So that's a really interesting phrase. Diado kiyad balabayatu. How would you translate that phrase? Yeah. His hand, it's as if it's, as if it's the balabayat. It's, it's as if it's the employer itself. It's like his body, is, his, his body becomes an extension of his employer's body. And it's the language used for an Ebed. And also the language used for a Shliach. And also pretty much any employment contract. And I can't tell you how many employment contracts I sign where it says, any work I do, any, any intellectual property I create is owned by my employer. Yeah. I pick up something, um, and I'm using pick up, it's similar to create. I acquire something, I create, you know, something of value, it's owned by my employer. Yes. Uh, so remind me, when we get to the end of the story, I should tell you the story of Deborah and Gan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and contracts. Also, my, my story about Maimonides will come in a little bit earlier than that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So right. So that so that that sounds like right. It sounds like a um, that we don't think that employer that the relationship between employees and employers is limited by the explicit terms of the contract. Right. It sounds right. It sounds like we're we're constructing relationships between employers and employees as being much more right, much solider. Well. It, it is, but no. In the case the Rebbe brought, or the way he brought it, at least, yeah, uh, there are some limitations. But if, if the contract is written very, very specific performance, you know, very specific, then he's only you could he's only extension of the, of the balabayas for the purpose of doing that those things, at least, or at least, but he, or whatever that really means. Or but at least he's not an, he's not a general extension such that other things he does. Okay. Does good. Right, it doesn't. Right, it's not. Right, the 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 Bright actually makes distinctions among right among uh, among employees and employers. And so, another like weakness of Rava's claim is that right is that Rava claims he can prove it about third parties, but it's not even true of all employees. It's only true of specific of specific kinds of employees. So that makes the claim that it proves something about irrelevant about unrelated third parties even weaker. Right, so at this stage, I think reading it through reasonably would say. It's hard to understand what Rav's question is, and Rav not, but Rav's answer may go, to, may, may, may say way more than is necessary, because you don't need to make the worker the yad balabai. Right? You may not need to, to go so far as to make the worker an extension of the employee's hands, which, as Rachesa says, seems to bring us into slavery, right? Or at least mm -hmm. seems to bring us into explicit agency, right? You know, right? doesn't need to answer that much. He just needs to say, no, he's not unrelated. Okay. Rava asks another question. Here's Rava's question. Rava says, but Rav said, let's assume that this is Rava asking the question because the next one says Amar Leib, even though there's no introduction here. But Rav said, Po'el yacholach zorbo afilo b'chatsi hayom. Okay, assuming that the dialogue is sequential, which I, right, so, right, so now Rav Nachman answered that, um, that your question, Rava, is, right, is a non-starter because employees are not unrelated figures. They are Yadok, Yad, Balabai, who at least this kind of employee um, is. And Rava responds by quoting Rav's halacha that workers can back out in midday. What does that do with anything? They have their own agency. They have their own agency. They're not autonomous. They don't fully represent, they're not the extension of their employer. For all purposes, because they can 
withdraw from the contract halfway through. And so Rav is assuming that in order to be able to acquire something for a third party, you have to be completely subordinated to them. And the fact that I can't, that, that I could break the contract means that I'm not so totally, right, so, so totally subordinated. Um, and therefore, really, even this kind of, even this kind of employee is, uh, is unrelated and therefore it can be, is, can be used to prove that third parties can acquire lost objects. Uh, okay, interesting argument, right? That backing out is right. The, the right to back out is sufficient. Uh, what would you respond to that if you want to defend Nachman? The aspect of agency is any it's kind of like what in some ways that's maybe what the answer is also, but but the the right to back out, okay, you can you can sort of cut off he can cut off the relationship. So that's different he's not a slave. Yeah, he's, not, he's not fully a slave in that respect. But but well, yeah, uh, but no, while the employment contract is enforced, right. he still is right, the right to breach a relationship doesn't deny the existence of the relationship. Right, this is the nature this is the nature of the relationship, but you can breach it. Right, that doesn't I shouldn't prove it. Yes. So I just had a question before we get to your question, which is, so you you, um, you made the point that Rev Nachman's statement that he brings of is stronger than it needs to be, right? So does this question from Rav necessarily have to be on the original, you know, have to justify the ruling with, about um, the Baal or could it just be a response to this stronger statement. Yeah, I, I, when, I, when I said it, I realized I was opening that up. <laughs> and as I think it has to be on the whole thing, but I, when I said it, I realized I was opening it up. And so that's, if, right, that's, that's, a, it, that's the right question to ask, and I don't have an answer right now, so I don't think so. But it's the right question to ask. Uh, absolutely the right question to ask. I mean, some of you pointed out, right, to be a constructive agent generally, I don't need to be subordinated. Right, to be a constructive agent in, under ordinary circumstances, I can just anybody, right, any, any, right, anybody can appoint themselves anybody else as constructive agent. So, why here it would have to be, is a little bit right. If constructive agency would work, well, because we're saying constructive agency doesn't work specifically in the case of lost objects. Okay, so in that position, right, being co-face, you know, for for Balco. So right. in this, right, so this case we need we need a really right so. The problem is like, you know, is that is what we're what we're dancing around is right is that is an employee an appointed agent? Right, whether they're supposed to pick up the lost object, do they not have any discretion at all? Right? If they're appointed, then right then you know, then what's the then the halakha has no purpose, right? Of course, if somebody hires you to pick up lost objects, you can pick up lost objects for them because that's making you an agent. If you have discretion, so then aren't you constructing yourself an agent anyway? Right. Some, you know, we get into the interview, like, what if I tell somebody, I hereby give you authority to construct yourself as my agent, whatever you think is appropriate. Well, maybe it's, if, if, if you're going to do something, you don't have to pick it up necessarily. Right. But if you're do, doing it, then you are, at that moment, you are, you know, whatever you do, whatever you, whatever you actively do is, 
in the you know at, at you were then at, at that moment an agent. So. Is so, that so, of your intent at the time? Yeah. Right. So I gave you the limit case, right, which is marriage. Right. right. Do you really mean that? Well, no. So I would put what how would it apply in marriage? You're right. You're you're while you are while you were being employed by the hour, you present a ring to a woman and say, "Harriet Mekudeshet." Who right? Who's married? Well, I guess I mean, you'd say. Absurd argument that, yeah, in fact, that's what you do. You are. <laughs> you could, okay. Because, but, but, you know, because, because, while you're on the clock, you shouldn't be giving her a ring. That's right. So, so we you could are be, giving a ring. You're, you're, you're implicitly giving it on behalf. And maybe the, maybe the employer, in that case, would have the right to, to, to say no thanks. Uh, you always have the right to say but, the, the thanks to it, right? I should say, right, that the, the person benefited generally, I should say always, the person benefited generally has the right to, to reject the act of their Halakha has this has, you know, has this peculiar notion that they're really you can do it when there's an overall benefit, and I guess Tosfut says I think right that you could, that you can do it when there's an overall benefit, but they can reject it unless it was an, unless it was exclusively a benefit. Uh, right, if, if there's a cost benefit analysis involved, and I do it for somebody, so then they have the right to reject it. But if there's no cost benefit analysis at all because it's just benefit. Right then, I, right then, all right then, it's not it's not clear that you can reject you, that you can reject the agency. Uh, this category also comes up in divorce. Right? The question is, right, is it ever an unalloyed benefit to be divorced, such that you can con- that you can construct yourself as someone's agent for the purpose of receiving the divorce, or much more radically for the purpose of de- of, deliver- of delivering them a divorce? Uh, okay, good. So now, right, but so the the, the response that Rav gives the first line is Kol Right, which is the first level answer we gave. Right, that okay, I'm willing to agree that they have a right to back out, but that's irrelevant because until they back out, right, the right to back out doesn't change the nature of the relationship. So if you were comfortable with stating previously that the workers the, that the workers um, is the extension of the of the of the of the employer, the fact that they can back out just means that the worker can choose can choose to cease being. The, the extension of the hand of the employer it doesn't change the nature of the relationship. That's, that's an assumption, not a. Yeah. Okay. We can, we can say which 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 side needs proof, um, right? That that it changes the nature of the relationship or that it doesn't. So to some extent, it depends on how we are constructing the employee as the hand of the as the hand of the employer. If we're saying that there's some that they're bound personally in some way, so we could say, okay, that personal bond is obviously restricted by the right to, you know, it's not as powerful as it is if, if you can leave it at any time. If we're just constructing it as terms of employment, right, does the terms of your employment include picking up lost objects or not, so then it shouldn't affect anything at all. So, the, right, so if the sugi ended as kol, at kol kamad lohadarbe, kiad balabayatu, if the last line of the sugi was, yeah, but as long as he backed out, right, then he's, right, he's, until he backs out, he's still the hand of the employer, so then we would be perfectly happy with that. But the sugi adds a line. The line adds this kihadarbe when he backs out, tama achrinahu. That has a different reason. A different reason than what? Right, a different reason than not being like the yad balabayit, or a different reason than not being the yad, than not being the yad balabayit. Okay, so we thought that the reason, right? The, the 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 person who asked the question thought that the reason you could back out um, was because that told you something about the nature of the relationship? And the answer is it doesn't tell you something about the nature of the relationship. And then astonishingly, even though it doesn't tell you something about the nature of the relationship, it tells you something really radical. 
Why can you back out? So the reason you can back out is because it's prohibited for Jews to be slaves to slaves. But that doesn't change the nature of the relationship. Right? That's like, paradoxically, like, this is about as far-reaching, right? It sounds like a claim that absolutely changes the nature of the relationship because if you couldn't back out, then you would be a, then you would be, then you would be a slave, and now that you can back out, you're not. But the language of the Gemara says, oh, no, 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 don't worry. This doesn't, right, the way we said a lot, this doesn't change the terms of the relationship. So that's really wild, right? The last, the last line of the Sugya, right, says, uh, first of all, it's not necessary, and once it comes, it seems to go in exactly the wrong direction. Okay, I think we've done a, a decent job of reading the Sugya without any commentaries and seeing, like, wow, this is like a Sugya that has lots and lots of... I once uh, made, a, uh, made a bet with Rabbi Weider at YU that, that um, I couldn't find any Sugya longer than seven lines that I couldn't find an insoluble... Uh, insoluble gap in uh, because a lot, right, all sorts of logic logic says this because here like there are lots of gaps and it's really hard to fill them right? it's just a perfectly ordinary 10 line sugya um, but okay so now assuming which is I think a good assumption that all the Rishonim can read as well as we can so they're all going to have to try and fill these gaps and we're going to try and see how they fill these gaps and see what they tell us so we're going to try it with Rashi first uh, this is very exciting for me because I I always read the sugi like Tosfut and um, realized on this trip that I, or maybe just before the trip, that I had never, even though normally I'm like just a Rashi person, somehow I completely missed the Rashi in the sugi. So we're going to read the Rashis together and see if we can figure out that. I gave you, I gave you a, it was always an excerpted, re, redone Rashi, so if you're following along inside the Gemara, you'll see that you, know, you can decide later that I'm cheating, but you should follow the sheet for now because it's not going to work otherwise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're like a person who is coming entirely self-motivated. Okay, right? And you're, right, you're, acquiring, you're acquiring the goods of creditors in a way that causes, that, um, causes damage to others. What does that mean? And you're coming to anticipate so the reason you are acquiring these goods from the bankrupt is because you're trying to advance the interests of this creditor over the interests of the other creditors and to get and to acquire these goods before the other creditors can um, right, can acquire them. So it turns out that by um, that this person who is seizing the property, he is causing right. He's causing damage to um, right by grabbing this to all the other creditors. That doesn't work. Right? How do we know that it doesn't work? Because we said it in a Gemara in Ksuvot, Aleph, I believe. kol liyot Right. So kol kimine is a, probably a literally untranslatable untran- 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 it's a restriction on your authority, right? You don't have the you don't have the authority on your own right? uh, to go to jump in on your own and to cause damage to others. Since your creditor never appointed you an agent for the purposes of seizure. Okay, so it actually states what we said doesn't answer Dan's question, which is why, <laughs> right? Why can't you do it as a, as, a, as a self-appointed agent when you can do it as an appointed agent? 
right? You can have a hint in there. He says it's not right. You know, we don't give you the authority to cause damage to other people, which I think sounds like constructive agency by itself is a chiddush. Why should it exist? So we right. So we only allow it in really narrow circumstances. I think that's that's not a, a conceptual answer anyway. It's a it's a you know it's a tendency answer, right? Right, that we, we we construct the construction of agency narrowly. Uh, okay, hasn't helped us so much. Esvei Rav Lerav Nachman, so Rav challenged Rav Nachman, and he quotes our bright, the Messiah po'el atzmo, ba'medver mimurim bizman shumar lo balabayit nachesh imo adorimayom, which Rashi says, t'lo niskar imo, ela l'nichush v'idur. He was only hired for, for these specific tasks. Ukish higbiyah ha'metziah, and therefore, when he lifts the lost object it, with intention to acquire, this is not work he is doing for the employer, because the employer hired him for a specific task, namely hoeing and weeding. Right? We could have fun challenging this by saying, what happens if the task he hired you includes, whatever he hired you to dig a pit, and the lost object is in the ground where the pit is. So when you dig the, sh- the dirt or the shovel out, right, and there's a gold watch in it, so now you're picking it up, but it is part of his malacha, is that right? Is that it, or do we have to define, do we define the malacha conceptually, right, that, you know, picking up lost objects, even, right, and it wouldn't happen accidentally. Right, that's just fun. Right? If we wanted to have fun, we could talk about the case. We're not going to do that now. We just had, we had all the fun we're going to get out of it. Um, Okay, and therefore, and therefore, but right, it sounds like the worker kind of right, has a is a generic figure, right, the generic intent. I wish to pick up this object to acquire it on behalf of whomever I am able to acquire the object for. And now we're trying to figure out who is he able to acquire an object for, and the answer is that if he's hired for a specific task, so then there's no reason to assign this work as the employer's work, and therefore he acquires it himself. But then Rashi throws in a fascinating line. Then Rashi says, but you have to take this, the time you spent picking up the lost object off your, off your bill for wages. Because while you're doing it, you are not actually engaged in L'chal Balabai, and the Balabai hired you for that time. So what does Rashi think happened, right? How do you acquire it? Is it because you weren't hired previously? Or is it, right, what does Rashi really say? Why don't, why is it yours and not the owner? Is because at the time? If it takes like you're taking a break from your working for the Balabai. It's a poel yachol absorbo doesn't just mean that you can breach, the, you can break the contract. It also means that you can temporarily suspend the contract. So that is right. My 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 assumption. If it's really, that then why wouldn't that apply? Even if he said, "I'm going to whatever work you do for me today," right? Why can't I take a break? You know what? He said any work, but that's a nice gold watch. I'm now going to break the contract for the next fifteen seconds to pick up the gold watch. That is a great question. That is a great question. Are there any explicit discussion of polio uh, yeah, that don't mean like you know completely walking away from the I, engagement? I, I am not aware of any others. But that's what and, and alternatively, are there no other discussions of of employees taking break? You know, employees 
having temporary breaks from their work? Well, normally we say whatever breaks for employees get whatever breaks are customary. Actually, I reminded of uh, an old joke I left telling about you know, which like, three groups of Hasidim arguing about whose Rebbe is greater, and uh, right, one of them says, "We right, were coming home, right? Right? right the, the punchline is right. You know, the fifty dollar bill, right? Whatever it is, Shabbos to the right of me, Shabbos to the left of me, and we just walk straight through." <laughs> right, that's what employees are doing, right? So you know, this is my right. I am completely hired here. I completely hired here, but I just walk straight through. Um, it's really it's a wild thing that Rashi says, but it's. The simplest thing, right, yes. It, it seems implied that Rashi has a conception of of the Poel that, right, he can't imagine a Poel who is not, um, you know, Yad Balabai, essentially, as long as he's a Poel. So, right, so, right, it's, yeah, so, it, but then, but, so a Poel really is, is owned by the employer for the period that he's hired. And if he's a weeder, then all he's allowed to do for that period of time is weed. Uh, if it is a personal services contract, then all he's allowed to do is what the balabite wants. But the fascinating thing is that he's a, right that at this stage, Rashi seems to think that a a worker who is task specific has the capacity to suspend, but a worker who isn't task specific does not have the capacity to suspend their contract. Right? We haven't gotten to Paul Yacholaf Zorbo yet, right? That's introduced at the next stage of the Gemara. So at this stage, the Rashi seems to think that there's a difference in kind between an employee, someone hired to do a specific task for the hour who can suspend and not do that task, and someone who is hired to do any task where they don't seem to have a, the capacity to suspend it. And we don't know where Rashi got that from. Unless it's more of a parenthetical comment by Rashi, that is, not that... Um, Right, that really what he's saying is that, you know, just, he, he says that, you know, you're only hired to do the hoeing, so when you pick up the, the watch, that's not um, in any way, you're not in any way acting on behalf of the Balabayat, and so when you pick up the watch, that's fine, but just parenthetically, since you're, you know, not fulfilling your contract, you have an obligation to... Um, to rebate the employer for the extra break time that you took. Right, whereas if you're hired to do whatever the employer wants, the employer didn't tell you to do this. Whereas if you were hired to do whatever you want, then... Not whatever you want, whatever he wants. Sorry, whatever he wants. When you were hired that's to a good do gig. That whatever you're doing, that that's the employer, said, the employer hired you to do your work, then when you pick it up, that's part of the work that you're doing on behalf of the Palabai. But he didn't tell you to do it. He hired you to do whatever work he, whatever he or she wants you to do. Oh, maybe that's someone knows him, Scar Young, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Whereas for the period of time that, you know, the contract is in force, I mean, and spanning any break time, et cetera, you know, barring any, any, so I, right, barring any complete walking away, 
any constructive any constructive way, right yeah. right so, right there's a there's a big finish right that, that is to me right that what that the the terms of the contract bar me from right from doing constructive things for myself right, so it's like you can have dance it right so you, know, you could have a situation where you know so professor an institution whatever professor computer science any any you know Right, so employers can write contracts in such a way that employees that they own everything produced by an employee, everything constructed produced by an employee. These issues come up because people say, "Well, I didn't do that during the eight-hour workday. I, I invented something at home in my basement." And the employer says, "Uh-uh." Right, so the funny story—I'll I'll tell the story now. The funny story about about Deborah again is that Deborah. Noticed that the new GAN contract one year had this clause that all all intellectual property produced while in the employment of GAN Academy mm-hmm. is uh, right belongs to the school, and she protested to the school that this was slavery, right. and uh, the school told her that you know it's just a boilerplate contract nobody like you know, nobody else reads the contract, right, you know nobody's supposed to read the contract, and she said to them you hired me to teach Gemara. <laughs> 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 what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, I'm not supposed to read country. <laughs> closely. Um, any case, but yes, right? Yeah, but I think you can. So we can say that, right? That we can. That we can. That the, the 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 reason that you hire somebody by the hour without giving them tasks is precisely that, right? What you what you're really doing, and we'll put it boldly, what you're really doing is buying them for that period of time. As opposed to if you give them specific tasks, that implicitly that implicitly leaves the possibility that they will be able to be independent human beings during that time. Uh, I, yeah, I think that that's a those are time and culture and economic system bound statements. Yeah, I mean it'll still be bound by convention, right? If if we decided conventionally that the contract that, that a contract for for personal services did not include picking up lost objects, then of course it wouldn't, mm-hmm. right? But at least there's a possibility it does, in the Gemara. Okay, so that Rashi Rashi says nothing helpful for the rest of the circuit until we get to the end. At the very end, Rashi says, "A kol kamidul hadar bekiad balabayetu, v'had hamar the amar dechi hadar be harishut biado." Yes. So you didn't finish the Rashi, right? Yeah. Um, he just states the conclusion of the Gemara, right, with complete credulity, right? That there. So you see from this that somebody who picks it up for somebody else, the the Jaconian person, but he actually just explained how this this person is is not just somebody else. Yeah. Right. So everybody plays out like that. The, the better explanation we have of why it works that the that why it works for the for the, the employer with a personal service contract to acquire it, the weaker of his question gets. Because right? the better explanation is that's what right, that makes him different than a third party. So now we've explained that the terms of his contract say that he is right. So there's no element. It's not parallel to Zuckin at all. It's not parallel to constructive agency because he's not constructing himself at all. Right. The contract constructs him as an agent. So Rashi's reading of the Gemara right, has this inherent weakness that right that there it's really hard to find a sweet spot where you explain why it works well enough and nonetheless allow the question. Okay, I want to read the last Rashi. Right? And Rashi says, right, so the last rest of the, so now the Gemara said, hang on, right, so Rav Nachman said, no, 
all workers are kiyad, right? Or at least personal services contract workers are kiyado kiyad balabayit. So it's not constructive agency, which we agree. And then he says, but Rav says he can back out, and therefore we're not sure. And the answer is yeah, but he hasn't backed out. Great, and. That when we said that he when he can back out the Rishus Biado, he has permission to do that. Lav Mishum Lav Don't think that the reason he can back out is not because until now he hasn't been the Yad. Which again sounds like we have this real thing going on, right? That you really really are the hand. And don't think that the ability to back out means you're not really the hand. Um, right? There's really another reason. What's the reason? Elatam Achrinahu, Sha'eno Shelo Kievit. He is the hand, but he's the hand without belonging to him in the way a slave does. Okay, why? Because if he wishes to uh, to leave us right to, to to not get paid, to leave aside his salary from now on, and to and to breach the contract, that he's allowed to do. Right. So what Rashi seems to say, right? He says this. Look. There is a stage of employment that, in fact, makes your hand the extension of the owner, of the employer. So that everything constructive you do, right, as Marty said, is the action, right? You have, no, you have no freedom of will in your work. And nonetheless, you're not a slave. Well, it's saying that Gan's response to Deborah should have just been, you're not a slave because you can quit whenever you want. Exactly right. That's the right, that's the right. The answer is you're not a slave because you can quit whenever you want. Pardon? It's an important difference between the two. Slaves. Absolutely. So we have a, a rigid definition of slavery. The rigid definition of slavery is you can't back out. And there are no restrictions on employment, right, because it is like slavery, other than a ban on specific performance. Wait, but didn't we say actually that a slave can't? I mean, didn't we learn that, that you can back out because a slave can always buy himself out? So we had a machloket in the Yerushalmi between Rav and Rav Yochanan, in which we said, right, right, why can't a worker back out? And Rav said a worker can back out because workers aren't allowed to be slaves. And Rav Yochanan said that workers can back out because slaves can back out. Yeah. So what we have is a, re- a reading of the sugya where Rav here is interpreted exactly like that reading of Rav in the Yerushalmi, that the right that the the right, that this the, the sugya has a hava amina. That workers that 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 binding workers that totally would be right would make would make uh, well, actually that's even, the sugya works at the very last minute the sugya um, right the the sugya the is thinking my goodness in order to make somebody yad balabayit you really have to you really have to own them and so if you can back out that means that employers are never that employees are never that tightly bound to employers and the answer is no. Right, there's no right. There's no there's no barrier to that. You can you can t- bind employees to employers as tightly as you want, as long as you don't make them liable for specific performance. And I, I, I think that's reading the Gemara like the Gemara like Rav in the Yerushalmi. Um, it's disappointing to me because in the end of the Gemara, right, the, the Gemara is about to say something really exciting about employment, and then it says no. Right, there are really no limits except for specific performance, and it ties in because what does Rav say in the Yerushalmi? Any Israel konins they can't buy each other. Right, so to buy you means you can't write means you can't back out. Okay, right. So that's why. So we'll leave it this week. That the way Rashi reads the sugya, um, right? Really, the idea of slavery only shows up at the end, and the and the, and at the end we say, no, you're wrong. Slavery has no relationship to employment at all. 
right? Because we got rid of that problem with specific performance. Uh, okay, well, that will make me very unhappy if we end up that way. So I'm glad to know that we noticed along the way that there are lots of weaknesses in Rashi's construction of the Gemara. Uh, so we'll pick up we'll pick up next time with Tosa and Maria Boav and uh, see if you agree with me that there is a better way of reading the Gemara. All right, thank you so much uh, for uh, for coming. And